Start on another episode of True North Nerds. Yay! Yay! <laughs> now Bell isn't going to sponsor us. <laughs> no, that's true. Maybe I'll edit out the Bell part. Just put a blur. Now next in the blur won't sponsor. Uh, I, know, us. I know our friends at Geek Card had uh, not so good dealings with Bell. So oh, so then who cares? Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, yeah, new, brand new episode, and this will go up the week after we record it, so in our continuing experiment of a uh, fairly quick turnaround, let's see if Brent has an aneurysm. Oh, it's not that tough. <laughs> no, Come on, no, you said you put it into the computer, press the button, it takes 10 minutes, and it's done. Yeah, pretty much. <coughs> I, I got a bit. It's not that bad. Um, with us is Jen. Say hello, Jen. Hello, Jen. A returning Ryan from Illness. I'm alive. That's good. And Kevin. Am I alive? Yes. Last we're all, we're all in. Good, because then I, I thought I saw dead people. We're all alive, there. but we're all in the Matrix. Well, obviously. Yeah. I want superpowers. You want superpowers? You're not the chosen one, sorry. <laughs> and that's Petra, our, our new kitten, who is attention starved, but not really. So, um... In the, the week that we weren't recording, uh, nerd news just kind of exploded. What? Yeah. So this episode, we're going to cover a bit of news, and we are going to get into our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Well, I guess Guardians of the Galaxy Volume, Volume 2. 2. Um, it, and so just saying it now, so I don't have to say it later, but I'll probably say it later too. The Guardians of the Galaxy section will probably contain spoilers. We'll do try not, not to. I do not care. <clears throat> it's been. I'll, I'll try not to ruin the movie, but if I accidentally let something slip, I'm not going to lose any sleep. No, over and it's it. been it's been over a week. If you haven't seen it by now, it's your own fault. Uh, it's been number one at the box office two for weeks two weekends in a row, in a row. and, and by the time this comes out, it'll be number one probably for three, three weeks, weeks in, in a row. row. Well, what comes out this week? Is there anything up against it? Probably um, not. Nothing. That I can think of. Let's see what's opening at the Cineplex this weekend. Yeah, because that's... Wasn't that gonna... Alien movie opening? Oh, oh yeah. it is. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I don't think that'll but be it, though. It's, it's, it's rated R, too. Isn't like, it? you and I want to go see it. Yeah. And our friend Taylor wants to see it, but I don't really know anybody else who does. So. Yeah. And if Alien you go Covenant, yeah. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul. That, that would be the alternative programming choice. I'll get yeah. the kid money in. Kind of like uh, the alternative this weekend was... Um, because King Arthur opened this weekend. Yeah. Snatched, I think it's called. The Goldie Hawn, yeah. Amy Schumer yep. oh. comedy movie. Um, yeah. That did that was number two at the box was office. It? Yeah, was so it, it did yeah, the King Arthur movie. But still, Guardians was number one by quite the by margin. By quite a margin. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, and uh, and not in that's only domestically too. Yeah. In China, it's also doing really, really well. Because apparently that's the, the, once again, Chinese box office is uh, what determines the fate of a movie franchise these days. It's why you're not getting any more Mighty Morphin Power Ranger movies, more than likely. Because it did well domestically, but in China it just went over like a fart in church. 
Did that movie already come and go? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally missed it. Uh, I want to say I, like around March breakish. Not that I, I wanted to wrong, see it, though. but totally missed it. You don't think that Guardians could be knocked out by Bone Cop, Bad Cop 2? <laughs> In certain markets, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, not a chance. In Quebec. Did you get the email from yeah, from uh, Cinemax, Cineplex? Cineplex? Cineplex saying... 300 yeah, yeah. scene points. If you Buy can... a ticket and get a free ticket. To Pretty honest, much. I like the first I one. I love the first one. I still haven't yeah. seen it. It's on my Netflix list. It's I haven't seen funny. it either. Maybe we should make it one of for, our... For our non-Canadian listeners, uh, Good Cop or Bon Cop, cop Bad cop. cop is a buddy cop movie that is Canadian-centric. It centers on a Quebecois cop and a... Is he out of Toronto, I guess? Yeah, I so it's a, it's a Quebec Provincial Police and Ontario Provincial Police. Yeah. The Ontario because... cop played by Colm Fjord, which Americans would know mainly from... Uh, Thor, I guess. Oh, yeah, he, he was, was in Thor. He was under a ton of makeup, but he was in Thor. And, um, who was he in Thor? Uh, he was the frost giant, like the, yeah. the, oh. the main bad guy. Oh, uh, yeah, so they're totally gonna recognize him. Yeah, or, <laughs> that's what he looks like in real ooh. life. Or, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the, the Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, he was the bad guy in that too. But the, he's the, mostly a theater actor, Stratford Festival. Very good actor, yeah. too. Um, but it's it's not something like that's something I could see PBS playing weirdly because mm. they seem to like our Canadian pop culture stuff. Yeah. Like Trailer Park Boys was on PBS for Red a while Green. and Red Green. And I don't know about Do South, but I know Do South did get no, that, was a CBS. that was on CBS or not Do South. Um, Corner Gas is the one I'm thinking. Corner Gas was on WGN. Yeah, I had friends uh, in Louisiana who used to watch that. But Bone Cop, Bad Cop's about a murder where the victim was found halfway right on the Ontario-Quebec border. So, well, so the French so, cop and the English cop have to team up. And, exactly. Yeah, it was very fun. It was a typical buddy cop movie but with, with subtitles. Lo- and a lot of Canadian yeah. aspects to it. And that's a, like, I read a review of it. I, I, don't, uh, I won't miscredit it. It was one of the newspapers here. That was basically along the lines of like, this is the industry shouldn't be doing because it's all Canadian and nobody will go watch it. I'm like, ah, we can't, we can't do the American blockbusters. No. And quite frankly, the only other thing the Canadian film industry is uh, known for is artsy Adam McGoyan movies that mm-hmm. nobody goes to see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give me a good Canadian popcorn film every oh, once yeah. in a while. I can tell you the last Canadian movie I saw in the theaters, it was Corner Gas, the movie. <laughs> it aired, they played the national anthem. Was the one that kind of made the TV Canadian movie landslide? Because then we got a series that I film. I can remember seeing That the... series barely has a plot. Exactly. Oh. That was a great. I went and saw an episode of that B film too. But I remember seeing the Trailer Park Boys movie. I think it was the Friday, the opening night, with a couple buddies, <laughs> and we might have had some cokes, and we might have mixed it. And then while we're watching watching the movie, we might have heard from further up in the theater uh, the distinct sound of beer bottles in that movie. And so if you paid so much money, you could be in the movie. And there was somebody in the theater who, who was, was in, in the, the movie. movie. That's awesome. <laughs> That's- that were like just an extra part. Oh yeah, right? like, yeah. Uh, she was one of the townsfolk of Dog River. Yeah, somebody in the background. Oh, that's kind of cool. Oh yeah, um, that's a, like it, I, I must admit, like those uh, oh, oh maze campaigns you see for like Star Wars oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, I'm always like, how much money can I throw at it? Oh, there's like, the yeah, one right you know, now where man? you can have dinner with seven doctors. Yeah, yeah that that'd be kind of cool too. And. 
I liked the ad for for that where it was uh, Daniel Craig. And I think he was advertising a car, but he had puppies. And I was like, I just want the puppies. Well, no. And was, Daniel Craig. It was a contest. Like, it was an Omaze charity contest. But BMW, I think, was one of the sponsors. So, hence the car. Oh. But, uh, okay. So, where do we start in the news? There's so much going on right now. Um, well, uh, for let's go with uh, the first thing, I guess, that came out last week. We're getting a new Hellboy movie, apparently. Except uh, Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman are not involved with it. Yeah, and didn't I read something about it might even be like more like darker and like rated They're talking R? Rated R at the current moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know how oh, exactly. I, I don't know that, if but... it needs to like Hellboy doesn't need to be rated R. Um, I guess it depends on how you view the rating system in the United States. Well, yes, like it, it could easily be AA still in Canada. Yeah, and it, it all I comes know, down to la- like language and like horror themes. Like even if they're not really bloody or gory, they tend to get that rating regardless. So yeah. I like it, it's it is what it is. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Del Toro and Ron Perlman aren't involved. The only the only like. I'm not one of those people I'm like, fuck it, it should only be those two and nobody yeah. else. I'm a little sad that they don't get to finish their story. Yeah, but but they've had plenty of time to try to... But every time it'd come up, they're like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, we're working on it. Well, uh, it's, the, the fact of the matter is, is the first two Hellboy movies, while I love them, did not really make a huge amount of money. And that's how you get another movie made. Right. And <clears> in this case, I imagine it was... Uh, Whoever's whoever's done the movie deal with uh, Manola yeah. has had basically stated we're going to do it, but it's going to be a reboot because that's the only way we will get butts and seats. Yeah, because nobody like and I'm usually the first to argue with Hollywood thinking, but in this case is like you've had two movies that have done okay, but not gangbusters. Like who is going to see the third movie in that series? Right. How many years later at you know, this point? I, I never even saw the second one until years after it was released. Mm. I just never... The first one was fine, and I enjoyed it. It was a good, fun comic book movie, but yeah. I never felt the need to rush out and see Hellboy 2. Yeah. So, uh, well, this news doesn't affect me either way. I might go and see Hellboy 3 or whatever they're going to call it. Yeah, I find the second one... Like, I really enjoyed the first one. It was a good introduction to because mm. I didn't know much about Hellboy. You know, I, and he was like, you know, demon. He had this cool rock hand, a big gun, or a, like a nice cool you know, duster. That was about it. <laughs> I looked I, cool. I watched the movies like, oh, awesome. You know, I started reading a few of the comics, got into it a bit. Not, not, you know. I think I may huge. have some of the first Hellboy comics though, because didn't they come out Dark Horses? Icon line was it Icon? Uh, legend. Legend. The yeah. the line had the Easter Island head as yep. the logo, and it was sort of their response to the image thing too. I would have I would say about ninety four. Yeah, it was, there was kind that, of need shoved and together. And there was but... John Burns Next Men mm-hmm. and Art Adams Monkey Man and O'Brien. Sin City was and also Sin in City, there. Mi- Frank Miller. So I mean, good good creators, great books. Um. And I, I read a lot of those, but uh, I fell off Hellboy really quickly. Hellboy, I really love. Um, I think the thing with Del Toro's version of Hellboy is he... Uh, Hellboy, the comic, is about a great many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does fairy tales. 
It does myths and legends. It does straight up. He punches Nazi monkeys. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, it's Manola made it so he could basically tell any kind of superhero or a comic book story he wanted to do. And Del Toro's version of that is that um, you don't see it as much in the first one. The second one, very much in the fairy tale path. And I think maybe that's why they, they're going for the reboot, too, is they're going to go more down the horror, supernatural, superhero yeah. range. So Well, we'll see. Yeah, well, it's, it isn't even made yet. If it, it happens. It could, it could, even though they've got a star and apparently there's the script is done, they can fall apart tomorrow or they can start filming in two days. Yeah. yeah. But I guess it also answers why the... The Magnola Perlman Del Toro meeting from a couple months ago, when Del Toro like we're going to meet about it and give you a definitive answer, and then he came back and like, no, it's dead. Well, I guess we know why it's no, dead because no. <laughs> this has been in the works for a while. Yeah. Um. So uh, what else got announced is like a, another. Uh, well, I'll believe it kind of when I see it, but uh, we're getting a Judge Dredd TV show. I hope we get a Judge Dredd TV show. Mm. We've been saying, you know, would, I would have liked it to have been a Netflix show. I don't know. Is this a... It has no network attached to it. That's okay. why I'm but a little it's a, iffy on it. Who's the production company? Are they UK-based? or uh, I believe so. Okay. It's, so... Uh, it's Well, Rebellion is the, the company that owns it. and You guys have nothing on Dredd either. I like... No, I haven't. I haven't seen the Carl Urban Dread. So. Oh, I saw the Stallone so Dread. Oh. No, the Stallone Dread is awful. It is not good. Yeah, no. But I haven't seen the Urban Dread. The Carl Urban Dread's pretty good. It's yeah. very violent. Well, very violent. violent. Yeah. The problem with that one was it had it got bad marketing. They marketed it as, oh, look at all the three D. Look at the three D. Look at the three D. Instead of look at the movie. Yeah. Not a, you know, it's Judge Dredd. It's the raid meets Judge, you know, with Judge Dredd in it. It's pretty yeah. much what the movie is. And yeah. It, it's a it's, nice tight action movie. Yeah, like, exactly. It's with a good cast to it, and uh, he doesn't so. take off his helmet. Well, we, yep. We'll yeah, see I always uh, say it's starring Carl Urban's chin. Yep, <laughs> as it should be. Yeah, it's Judge Dredd. He doesn't yeah, he take never his takes helmet off. off. Yeah, I watched the Stallone when it was on TV not that long ago. Yeah, and he so takes it, it off within like the first five or ten minutes. Oh, yes. Yeah, so after well, he does a whole shoot up, and then the first time you know he comes walking in with that super oversized shoulder pads on, which is great, but still cheesy. And then it, you know they, they zoom right in on his face. As he's taking the helmet, as if this big momentous, oh, Judge Dredd's taking it. And it's Sylvester Stallone. Who will show up later in our podcast. Yeah. For yes, a little bit. Um, we're getting yet another, well, maybe in addition to the Arrowverse with Black Lightning. Well, I was wondering, I, ha- I was look, tried, I tried to find out, uh, looking online to see if it is going to be part of the Arrowverse. And it doesn't say anywhere There's because no... originally it was done for Fox. Was the original idea? Yeah. Was yeah. it when the pilot was was written and filmed? It was going to be for Fox, and then they. It, I thought I had on read one at least one article where Berlanti had said, "Yes, we're going to do Black Lightning, but no, it's not going to be connected to anything else." It, it well, that's probably be, why like, because it was know, going to be CW on Fox. CW is the per- the the company putting the money forward. They, they would, have final say on that, and if you were the CW, wouldn't you go? Yeah, it's part of that. I would like to see it be part of that because, as it stands, the. Berlanti versus pretty white bread. 
Well, for the main hero. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're, it should be noted, they're really good with putting characters they're of supporting different cast. origins. Yeah. Yeah. Supporting but cast, your but leads are Flash and Green Arrow and Supergirl. Supergirl. And, and, and like Supergirl and Arrow especially are kind of as white as you can get. They're yeah. blonde, blue-eyed, and, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so to have one of those shows where the lead is a black man and an older black man too, it sounds like Well, yeah, he's, he's supposed to be retired and then get and, dragged and, and back and into the so, game. Do we know if the daughters that they established in the comics are part of the show? There is a daughter. Just one daughter? Cuz she's part of the show but they don't mention In the comics he had two daughters, right? Oh, okay. they, he called, they called themselves Thunder and Lightning. They had of course powers. They did. Oh. One ended up in the Justice Society. This is back around 06. What I think they'll probably end up doing, because if he's already an older hero that's been retired, but then, you know, in the the, the Flash and Arrow are like these heroes that almost seems like there was never heroes around, vigilantes around before them. Even though now with... uh, Legends of Tomorrow, we have seen that there was the Justice Society. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. So, time travel. Yeah. I'm thinking what they'll probably do is they'll probably have him on his own world, just like Supergirl. Yeah. And then they don't have to worry. They can they can bring him in for the big five-night episode that's crossover. A, that's a good possibility. Oh. And then it builds the, keeps building the multiverse because you know they're going to eventually build to a crisis. To a crisis. crisis. They've teased it on Flash from the beginning. Yeah, from episode one. Yeah. I read so. an article the other day that said that's how those shows should end. Like that, Or that's how they can reboot all those shows is they do Crisis and then they just reboot everything. And then afterwards. they just have one show with everybody on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> that's how the DC universe that, went. Yep. From many, many Earths to the one. Everybody lived on the same one. So. Um, we also got a trailer from Fox's X-Men aimed show, The Gifted. Did you see that one, Jen? I did. It kind of just looks like Heroes. It does have a real Heroes vibe to it, doesn't it? Yeah. And I was like, mm, I've seen that but already. But it's got a good cast. I like Amy Acker. Yeah. Uh, who's Amy Acker in it? It's She's the mom. mom. Oh, okay. That's why I recognized her. I'm like, yeah. she, but she has powers. Familiar. She has powers, though. I don't think she does. No, the parents I thought don't. I read Based she on the did. trailer, it looked like oh, the parents okay. don't, but the kids do. Yeah. And the dad's job is basically hunting down mutants. Yeah. So or they, was until he finds out his kids are yeah. mutants. And then he goes on the run. And there were two characters in the trailer that are established from the comics, right? Polaris, Polaris and Blink. Yeah, she's in the background. I forgot about that. Yeah, Blink's in there. Yeah. And they make a comment about not knowing if the X Men. Exist. Are even a thing, or if they right. yeah. are just yeah, or, rumor, and the brotherhood or, of yeah. evil mutants. So, is the whole show just going to be the family running away from the government? Probably, I could yeah, imagine I the, first the first season, season or maybe two. Trying the Incredible to Hulk pulled it off for like what five seasons? <laughs> are you up to the Incredible Hulk yet on your list? No, Incredible Hulk will be coming soon. Wonder Woman is the next the big Wonder show Woman. that's yeah. coming on my list. Yeah, so the and like there was also new mutants casting announcements last week. Yeah, yeah. And, I like um, I what, like some of those. What's her name from uh, Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. Yep. as Who's Wolfsbane, Wolfsbane. Which is good casting. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and I uh, didn't recognize the other young woman who's cast as it's magic. Right? Magic. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. It, it, she's in something the kids like though. Yeah, <laughs> she's in something them kids like nowadays. Fire Diaries person, but it could be no. Wrong. It was a movie franchise uh, that she's okay. in. Let me look it up. Um, but like the, the apparently it, now this is 
only really for Kevin and I and Jen just because she's heard me go on about him. But Warlock is in that movie. Really? Yeah. Oh. Who do you get to play Warlock? Well, no. Who do you get to voice Warlock? Warlock. Because they'll have be CGI. I would get a really great voice actor. I know. I've heard about Billy West from Futurama. Yeah, actually, I could see that. He did skeets on Justice League. But uh, yeah. So um, the actress who's playing Magic was in Split. Oh, okay. The uh, the M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. Yeah, <laughs> Shyamalama Ding Dong. I always, for some, for some yeah. reason, whenever I say his name, I go instantly into the Ding Dong part. <laughs> and it's not racist. Thing. It's just <laughs> lots of his movies are awful. Well, no, it's no. from uh, that. It's from a song. That's like Ramalama Ding Dong. She doesn't have a lot of credit. No, her... there's a Shyamalama Ding Dong, isn't there? No. No, it's Ramalama Ding Dong. Sort of racist. Maybe it was something on Robot Chicken. Her name is we'll um, that. her name is Anya Taylor Joy. Um, oh, her mother is African Spanish English, and her father is Scottish Ooh. Argentinian. Mm. Uh, and she was on. Well, they have her family tree on there. Well, this is her bio on IMDb. <laughs> I was gonna say I thought maybe it was Wikipedia, but she um, was in The Witch, which I haven't seen, but got a lot of good reviews. It's one of the the better horror movies supposedly of the last. She couple was years. the title character in a sci fi thriller called Morgan. Yeah. And she was on the British TV show Atlantis. That's about it. Yeah. Viking Quest and nice. Endeavor. Those are her credits. Viking Quest sounds like like a reality game show. <laughs> like, a, like you have Quest. to live as a Viking for they like. They did that reality show. Did they? Yeah, I think it was a Canadian one because it was at that Lanzau Meadow in Newfoundland. Oh. Where basically you had to live in a Viking settlement and you can only use natural stuff. They also did a, a pioneer one where they basically dropped oh. you off in a field with a cart full of what settlers would have and you to build your own house and everything. Yeah. That one was actually kind of fun because two the of the people where, like, went nuts. One of the, yeah, isn't that where one of the families like just outright quit like, yeah. fairly quickly? Yeah. Yeah. And the other family was like, we built this wonderful house. And then the, the family that quit was like, screw this. They barely got a wall up. And then they're like, we're out. <laughs> it was really cool. Which show was that? Sorry. Well, I can't remember what it was called. It was a Pioneer show. Oh. Something I want to it say might be Pioneer called, Quest. Or it might be, be called wrong. Pioneer Life. Or Pioneer yeah. House. Or Pioneer Life. Showed up something with some like blankets, that. tried to trade. They all got sick. They all got dysentery. <laughs> And uh, so this past weekend was the Toronto Comic Arts Festival. Uh, Jen, Ryan, and I got to go. Uh, Ryan had never been before. Jen's been once. I've been a couple times. Uh, not a lot of news came out of it, but it was an okay show, mm-hmm. uh, especially for, for free. Yeah, uh, for a free show, it was great. Um, it's a, For our out-of-town listeners, it's put on by uh, the, the government of Toronto, as far as I know. It's put on by the Toronto Public, Public Library, Library in partnership with The Beguiling, which is a local comic book shop. Yeah, it's the, and it's they the get a bunch of other comic book shop in Toronto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, they get a bunch of other sponsors. If you want to buy Love and Rockets, that's the place where you go to. Yeah. Or, well, and it's, or anything in a foreign language. Yeah, and it shows in the guests. You know, they got mm-hmm. a lot of indie, indie writers, indie artists. Uh, with your web comics and stuff like that, you know, a lot of a lot of them are great. You know, a lot of cool art. A lot of people had no idea who they were. Yeah, but other than the Masonic Temple. Which well, yeah, is and that's where people. the 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 mainstream of the fringe people were. Yeah, but they're the well, even there because they're with Image. most of them aren't 
fringe anymore. Well, right? no, but it's, like, it's not your Spider-Man, except for, you know, I guess Chip Zdarsky is writing Spider-Man and working on a Spider-Man book. But, uh, you know, what, you know uh, I picked up Bitch Planet. and uh, Have you read it yet? No, I haven't read any oh, okay. of the books. I'm just I curious up. what your views. No, I'm too books. busy. I'm too busy reading my book. Uh, so set the scene for me. The main part of the show is at the the, the Toronto reference library. reference yeah. library. But it's gotten so big that they've had they had to spread out last year to the Masonic Temple. Okay, which is just across the street, right? Yeah, it's just up and over. Um, they I don't know if they were doing them this year. They used to do panels at a bar called the Pilot. Yeah, they were doing there. some this year. That which is the. The one good thing that I can say about that for TCAF is going to a panel and being able to drink is just <laughs> great. And sometimes it leads to uh, very interesting results. If you want to see what I mean, uh, I would uh, go check out uh, Geekhart's interview with Ed Brubaker a couple of years ago at TCAF. And uh, I'm not going to say anything more about it, but it's uh, bar, bar interviews are good. <laughs> Fine. Um. So yeah, there was that, and there um, they've also they also had one of the hotel uh, ballrooms, uh, like the Marriott, to, for doing some signings and stuff like that. That's where uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, the the guy who is responsible for Scott Pilgrim Scott and uh, uh, Seconds, and currently Snot Girl out of Image. That's where he was doing his. Uh, oh, signing. okay. So he wasn't even in. He's, okay. Yeah, he wasn't. As far as I know, he didn't have a spot to himself anywhere. No. Huh. I think possibly because he would just his lineup would be pretty big. What's the crowd like? Is it was it well attended? Oh, it's jammed. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the the library mm-hmm. when we were there on Saturday. Oh, okay, now, yeah, that's a good. Justifier. The Masonic Temple, where the image guys were, where the people who the only names without the names I recognized. Right. That that it was sparse. Like okay. we. You could walk up to a table to get a book signed or to buy something. There's maybe one, two people ahead of huh. you. And then it takes no time. You, know, you can get That's a cool. sketch done for $10, $15 for like a head sketch or something yeah. like that. And now because this is sort of more of a literary or artistic mm-hmm. kind of festival, uh, were there people in cosplay or no? Not that I saw, no. I saw the odd person in costume and when we were waiting for Jen out on the on the street, I saw some girls in uh, Attack on Titan outfits. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, the cosplay was minimal, right? Because that's because it's not really not what it was. It. Yeah, it's a it. I think it's one of those shows that definitely needs to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, I'm not a big indie comic person. I'll be the first person to tell you that. But I think they definitely have their spot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, for sure. Like, it, it, comics should be have a variety to them, just like yeah. regular. Oh, books. exactly. Um, it, it was interesting. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and we basically came to the, the conclusion that uh, if somebody says, "Well, I don't like comic books," it, or I like I, I can't get into comics, most of the time it's because they just think of comics as superhero stuff. They yeah, don't realize they're crash bang pow. Yeah, there's other genres out there. Yeah. And when somebody asks me about comics to read, uh, the first thing I go to is, well, what books do you read? What movies do you like? Because that, that, like, not everybody likes superhero movies. No, exactly. superhero yeah. TV shows. And I don't think you should. It's... I love going to the library and just picking up random graphic novels off the shelf that I never would have bought. And I've discovered some really cool stuff. Well, that's kind of why I bought the three I bought on the weekend. It's always been 
the three I bought were, like I said, uh, Bitch Planet, uh, The Wicked and Divine, and Southern Bastards. I keep hearing about them. I keep seeing them everywhere. Uh, and most of them had the, like, you know, the image trap where it's like nine ninety nine for the I, first I volume. The first volume of Southern Bastards. It's very So it's good. like, eh, for 10 bucks or, you know, $15, yeah. why not? And then it was like, oh, and the guy who wrote it or drew it is here. Might as well get it signed yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, like it, like I would, I got in line for uh, oh, uh, Jamie McKelver, who I think that's how you pronounce it. McKelvey, yeah, McKelvey, who, who Wicked in the Divine, right? Wicked in the Divine. He, but before that, he worked with uh, same writer on Phonogram, yeah, which uh, th- was much like I read a couple issues of it here and there, really liked it. They put they finally put out a hardcover that collected everything. Oh, okay, so I'm like, eh, I'll spend the money. What are we looking at? I'm looking at the old man climbing on the roof next door. Oh. With a spray can. And we've got some dead air because we're all in... in what is... <laughs> like, what the hell is he doing? He's um Santa. <laughs> Hopefully he's not going to try to jump down that I, chimney. Don't jump, sir! I'm curious if he has something in this chimney and if I should be worried about what's in mine. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Oh, well. I live in a neighborhood filled with elderly people, and they they sometimes do things you don't understand. Well, as long as he doesn't slip off. Yeah, because, well, the the one thing about this neighborhood, um, there is, not to give away my address that much more than I already have, um, there is a group home for uh, disabled people across the street. So if you call for an ambulance, it gets here quick. (laughs) Because I guess they just know the neighborhood that it's like, (laughs) But they might not know the number right. Right, of the, the group home, so they just come like uh, a bat of hell. Because uh, uh, my mother, uh, first week we worked here, we lived here, uh, took the step wrong off her front porch and fell and broke her hip. Ooh. Yeah, oh, shit. but the to the ambulance credit, they were here within like minutes. That's, That's good. Awesome. Yeah. So and she's fine now. And yeah. Found out she doesn't have osteoporosis or Yay. anything like that. So like. She healed up really quick, like for a broken hip. But yeah, um, TCAF is like, I, I hope it continues. Um, weirdly, I hope it doesn't get much bigger. Right. Because it's just, it's kind of like Anime North. Anime North can't, shouldn't get any bigger because they've got nowhere to put it. Right. It's spread across like two hotels and a convention hall and. And, you know, what's going to stop that one is when some poor kid gets hit by a car when crossing the street. Because you always hear, well, hit and killed. Because you always hear about somebody gets hit every year. It's just because they're, you know, they're rushing to go to something and don't bother to use lights. It's not the convention's fault. But that's, you know, it's consideration that you got to start making. But it was a... TCAF was a pretty good time, I, th- I think, for, for what it is. Oh, yeah. It was you a know. good day. It was a fun I'll have to get there one of these years. I got to... Well, we'll probably end up going maybe next year. Yeah. And the weather was great, so we couldn't... Yeah, that, that, that was also helpful. And, and weirdly, last year, um, it was the year... Uh, last year was the, the year Darwin Cook died. Oh. And, like... And it was the same day as the festival. And so many of the people at TCAF knew darwin or had some sort of connection with them and it was kind of a downer of a day it, like and it was pouring rain it's you know, you know like it was weird you could really feel the difference in the crowd oh, yeah. this year was it was a bit better so that's good 
So, also on Fox, that got announced, was uh, we get a sci-fi comedy show from Seth MacFarlane and John Favreau. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could be the best Star Trek we see all year. <laughs> uh, possibly. With the way, well, the way Discovery's going. It totally... The trailer totally plays up that this is a Star Trek parody, doesn't it? I mean, it's oh, so yeah. Star Trek. Oh, it's it's like Star Trek, and it makes you think of uh, Galaxy, Galaxy Quest. Quest. Oh, exactly. It looks like Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Part, uh, as I was talking to uh, Kevin earlier, part of me wonders if that's what this started off as somewhere down the line, and then it just became its own thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, the trailer was good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I like the trailer. I just hope it doesn't get into Family Guy comedy territory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Parody, parody is a really kind of fine well, line to hit because you, like, you do it good and you do it well, you get Airplane or Naked Gun, Black yeah. Dynamite. You do it bad, you get Epic Movie, Superhero yeah. Movie, yeah. Another Disaster Teen Movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, maybe it won't even be, ones. you know, like a parody. It'll just be. A sci-fi comedy. Which one? That that's looks, a great yeah, way to spilled. take it, too, with, it, like, little shots at Star Trek. Yeah. It looks like they're spending the money on oh, effects yeah. and, oh, and makeup. Well, at least makeup this on some first... of those alien characters. Yeah. And I, I do like Adrian Palicki. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of surprised because I remember hearing that they were working on this show. Okay. Like, a while ago. Like, kind of like... I want to say, like, and I could be completely wrong. I want to say it was the last time McFarlane signed a deal with Fox because it covered a whole whack of projects. Mm. And and I, I remember, like, and I don't even know if it had a name at that point. I just remember, like, a little byline for it or something. And then, like, completely forgot about it up until this week. Today. There's a full trailer. Yeah. I assume that, like... By the looks of it, like they've shot more than the pilot, obviously. Like, there's a couple episodes in the can of this thing. Yeah, you would say, well, they announced a season. season, right? They've announced a season. Oh, so I got it. Uh, is it how much of an order is it getting? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Let's see if we can find that out. But, um, the one thing that I do really have hope for in it, though, is McFarlane is a Star Trek fan. Like, he likes Star Trek. Well, that's what makes me think it might not it might be, be that parody. It might just be, you know, this is his sci-fi. Yeah, and, and it will it'll be fairly comedic. In... It's a one-hour show. It's not a... It's ha- one hour? It's not really? a half-hour sitcom. According to Wikipedia, it is a one-hour science fiction series. Uh, let's see. Set in the 25th century. Uh, well, one hour like all the Star Treks. Yeah, oh, no, it makes, that sense. makes sense. Oh, remember the scene in the trailer where he steps in the gel- gelatinous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald. I was yeah, gonna say, I, I thought tell that, that from the voice. The voice sounded about it, yeah. which is cool that they've got a crewman that's a gelatinous blob. Like that's well, that's different. where I think you're going to get some of the jokes as the alien species. Thing. Yeah. Well, I like the it's... part when he uh, asked her to open the door for him, and she like pulled... Fox has ordered thirteen episodes. She busts the wall down. He's like, oh, I, uh, I loosened that. For Thirteen you. episodes. So yeah, that's a that's a good Which order. Which means we could get four or five. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's the other thing that might happen with it. Despite how good that show is, if it gets it, the wrong time slot, oh it, yeah, it, it, could be it, it looks like it could be expensive just with the special. Yeah, because that's so, one of those ones they'll cut you know, before I, episodes. Are I wonder if they'd put it on on Sunday nights. Oh, with the rest put of his stuff, Family Guy, and then you know American Dad, and Maybe. then put that on at nine o'clock. Oh yeah, it's a um, or even have that on and fault and then have Family Guy. Okay, 
So what's the over-under on Patrick Stewart making an appearance? Oh. Because oh, yeah. if you're Patrick be, Stewart yeah. in Family Guy, he has a recurring role in American Dad. Yeah, they're, they're he, very good. They're, they're friendly. McFarlane created his own show for him, that uh, Blunt Talk. That was oh, was that a McFarlane show? Me, and it's on a Fox network. Oh, yeah, that okay. was part of his overall big deal that he made. Um, it only lasted two seasons, but... 75% chance. I'd say... You know, 75? Yeah. Or, the, or at like, least in I the first season. See, yeah. After, if it goes more than that, then for sure he'll be he'll show up. And then he, he might even become a recurring character. I see him as like... Uh, like, if you put him in, he's the admiral. Who keeps telling Seth MacFarlane that you're fucking up? <laughs> well, no, they already showed, they already had a guy like that on there. They're like, yeah. you know, you're only getting this ship because we've got thousands of ships. Yeah, you weren't anybody's we choice. Um, and, there is a Star Trek connection already. Oh, who's in it? One of the cast members is Penny Johnson Gerald. No, she played Cisco's girlfriend, uh, Cassidy Yates. That's where I recognized her from. She's she was in- also on Twenty Four. Yeah, and she's been on something else. She played somebody's castle. Character. That's it. She's the chief. She was the second chief on Castle. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I knew I recognized her from somewhere. I didn't realize that she was Cisco's girlfriend, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah it's, oh, in the later seasons, yeah. She yeah. was um, the first lady on Twenty Four. She's President Palmer's wife. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Those those were good seasons too when yeah. Palmer was president. But it it, it has it. It could work. It could work. It's I think like it could. The the only problem I find I, I feel with it is unless it's if it's a parody sort of show. Well, yeah. If it goes then parody, well, then... no, like not not just that is then your your bar is Galaxy Quest. Yeah, and Galaxy Quest was pretty good. You know, it's like you have to try and live up to sort of that. But the of big stature. difference there, and the problem there would be that Galaxy Quest was, you know, people making a TV show. About you know they were they were actors they weren't really oh, astro yeah, yeah, they weren't yeah, yeah. really space guys they weren't you know they mm-hmm. weren't the real people they were pretending to be mm-hmm. where this is real well for real with air quotes you know th- this is their lives mm-hmm. but who knows I think uh, I'll it give it a shot it could be fun it could be fun yeah yep uh, I'll definitely seek out the first episode or oh, two yeah. oh yeah why not especially um, the I'm first one I'm, I'm one of the people who liked a million ways to die in the West so. I never, never got around to watching that. Uh, I've heard like Jen said, I've didn't heard really like things, it. But... Um, I, I, I did. It was the right mix of like his style of comedy, but not going into Family Guy yeah. territory. See, I don't love Family Guy, so I no, Well, I'm, I'm not enamored with it anymore. Like I, I like the first couple seasons. Yeah, I've got the it's... first few on D, on yeah, DVD. And then it was kind of like when they came back. And then they kind well, of once they, they came get back, away with anything. Yeah, and they were and around for a couple of years. Then they're like, yeah, we're not going yeah. anywhere. Let's yeah. see what we can get away with. So um, as, as we've mentioned in other episodes, uh, there is an Avatar world being built in Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney World. And yeah. it's been something that Kevin's been closely following. And he actually knows people who have gone and seen it. Yeah, so it officially doesn't open until the end of the month, the 27th. Oh, it's not open yet? No, but they have been doing... Um, previews for annual pass holders and cast members so i have had a couple of friends who've had a chance to actually go to um i almost said the wizarding world of avatar but it's called (laughs) pandora the world of avatar and it's um 
from the reports I've read, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's several acres of space. Uh, if if you've ever been to Disney's Animal Kingdom, it used to be where Camp Minnie Mickey was, which was sort of a temporary land that they set up because they didn't have anything else to fit in there, and it just had some shows and character meet and greets. So now you cross this bridge and enter the Valley of Moara. Remember the floating mountains from yep. Avatar? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're real there. And apparently... They're never out of your sight. From in any direction you look, there's these mountains floating over your head with waterfalls wow. pouring. I wonder up. how they pulled that off. What? What? You know, is it just tiny clear? Well, pl- the the clear plastic tube. Let's say there are off. a lot of vines that come down off. Ah, uh, so there you go. That's how they. Um, they you don't see a lot of the Navi people there. Um, they tend to keep to themselves, but do they even set that up when you're going into yes, that section? Okay, yes. so they, they've so even got it in your mind. They have, they have set up this. They've set up this storyline. So this takes place years after the movie. Okay, um, and um, this company called Alpha Centauri Expeditions or ACE has set up this human navi tourism company mm-hmm. and so you can go now to alpha centauri to visit the land of the navi so all the cast members who work at the uh, pandora um, they don't even wear disney name tags they wear these ace logo tags so oh, okay. everything is done it's immersive that to, way okay. to be immersive right so there are, if you look in the ground, there are footprints of alien creatures that have wandered the paths before you. There are alien plants everywhere that they've built and uh, that, they, that are designed to shoot off water or th- pollen at certain times and of the day. And that night they light up some of I, them and yeah, stuff Yeah, like they too. haven't opened it as of right now. Nobody I know has seen it at night, oh, okay. but the, um, the forest is supposed to be bioluminescent. And as you walk down the paths, you'll see your footprints behind you oh really yeah wow yeah uh there's special food and um the souvenir of choice is um a little baby banshee that sits on your shoulder and can you can control and he talks and yeah so That's, that sounds kind of cool it, it sounds very cool uh there are two rides uh one is a boat ride called the navi river journey and it's just a sort of it's a boat ride along the lines of Pirates of the Caribbean or It's a Small World. Okay. So it's just a boat ride through the forest. And they do a lot of things with screens like everybody does these days. But they're using transparent screens that you can they can project things onto and that you can see through because they'll put another screen behind. Mm-hmm. So it gives these screens a real illusion of depth that, that you're seeing far off into the distance. And then apparently the finale of the ride is this encounter with a Navi shaman who's the most realistic animatronic robot that Disney has ever built. Yeah. That's uh, cool. Very cool. Um, most people are saying it's saying the problem with it is it's too short. It's only a four-minute boat ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of the family attraction uh, of the land. The headliner thing... Uh, Pandora is called Flights of Passage, and it is a banshee ride through the through the forest, and um, so it's got a very very long queue because the queue needs to set up the story, and the story is you can't ride a banshee just the way you are. Like in the movie, we've got to put you into an avatar. Okay. So uh, the whole pre-show is about you 
and having your mind linked to an avatar. So what you're again, it's uh, if anybody's written Soren at uh, Epcot or California Adventure, it's sort of a, a flying simulator attraction. Uh, so this is sort of that technology taken to the next level. Instead of just a hang glider type seat where your feet are dangling like in Soren, mm-hmm. you get on what looks like a speeder bike almost. Oh, okay. And so that is the avatar of the Banshee. And uh, you, um, you straddle this seat and then the restraint comes up behind you and uh, so your back is locked in and your legs are locked into place. And you sit holding the handlebars like you would a motorbike. Okay. And then... I think it, I'm not sure if it's 3D or not. I, I can't remember. But then the, the the room that you're in opens up, and using a giant curved IMAX screen, you are pushed into this film, and you swoop and you soar, and it does drops and twists. And apparently, one of the coolest little effects that it does, because you're on a banshee and it's alive. You can feel it breathing between your legs. Oh, so it's like some sort of like air ballast in it or something. That's cool. Everybody I've talked to who's written that loved it. So uh, you know what that says to me though? Speeder bike ride. Well, yeah, we're getting a speeder bike ride. They've got the technology. In a lot of ways, know. I feel like Pandora is a test case for Star Wars. Like well, maybe it, it wasn't, like or, or maybe yeah. it wasn't supposed to be originally, but then when they decided we're going to go full tilt with Disney World, it was like, well, it's it's also a response to Harry Potter. Hmm. Right? Harry Potter over at Universal was really the sort of the first incredibly thoroughly immersive land that any theme park had built, and Disney looked at it and went, "Okay, this is the way things are going. We need to jump on this. What property do we have? We need to do it better than them." So yeah. let's test it out first without with one one of our prop with a property that's not one of our top tiers. Yeah, let's try it out with. Oh, look, James Cameron wants to make uh, rides with Avatar. Okay, let's try that. Uh, apparently, it does fit into the animal kingdom really well. Um, they've they've created sounds of alien animals that you hear all through the background as you're wandering. Apparently, you can just spend hours wandering through these winding pathways and looking at all of the crazy vegetation that they've made for this this park. So, yeah. it's getting thumbs up from the Disney fan press that I've been reading. Not universal praise, uh, but um, and I don't mean that in a in a theme park kind of way. I mean, not everybody is saying it's perfect. It's got some flaws, but um, people seem to like it. So I can't wait to get down there. I don't know when I will get down there. Well, but, uh, let me take this moment to reiterate to the folks at Disney who may or may not be listening to this podcast. We will be happy to do live podcasts from your park, especially oh. when Star Wars Land opens. But hey, if you want to bring us back, we will do a show a year at Disney World. I have no problem well, with that. Well, there is an immersive land opening every year until Star Wars Land in 2019. What's the, the next one after Toy Avatar? Story Land. Oh, yeah, because you mentioned that, and then it's yeah. like, that's going to be kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, so too. Avatar this year, Toy Story next year, and Star Wars the year after that. Mm. I wonder if they'll pay for all like the toy licenses that they use in the the movie. It wouldn't the, surprise me because in the Toy Story ride that's there now, all that stuff's there. Edge Sketch, Barbie, yeah, all of it's there. Cool. Little golden books. Giant little golden books. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's that's the the latest from the theme park world is um, Avatar. Okay, so to uh, to end off this episode. 
Once again, there may be spoilers. We're not going to actively spoil Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but it may happen if it gets spoiled. I don't care. (laughs) You can complain all you want. It's not really going to change anything. It's your own fault for not having seen it after three weeks. This will be the end of the episode, so you can even turn it off right now. But don't. Except for the geek picks. Oh, yeah, except for the geek picks. But, yeah. Anyways... So, uh, we have all seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Yes. 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 Yep. Um, we saw it in 3D. What did you see it in? I saw it in 3D. 3D? I Kevin? had no choice but to see it in 3D. Yeah, yeah. So, because 3D is pretty... Kind of standard. Pointless. Yeah. But the Unless, 3D in this was pretty good. It was really good 3D. Yeah. 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 And I think that was uh, shown mostly in that in that opening scene. Oh. oh yeah. That was the best opening of a movie I have ever ever seen because when you think about it it was phenomenal <laughs> when you think about it so the focus is on baby Groot dancing through the yeah. through the scene all that stuff in the background had to be computer rendered out of focus yeah I know crazy. it was so good I guess that would, it would have been like a filter they would have put on after oh, the fact right? probably I'm sure they did it still, all and then it was super still, yeah. detailed computer graphics that they big fight scene, big giant fight scene that was purposely out of focus, like yeah, ridiculous. so that the focus was on Baby Groot riding rats and running around and waving at Gamora, and just at, like hi, the Blue Sky, yeah, which is electric light, yellow, right? yeah, yeah. That, that's my favorite song off the soundtrack, which I've been hearing a lot on the radio lately. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, the last soundtrack. Oh yeah, for one. sure. I I always wonder about the last soundtrack if Redbone. Got their royalty check or whoever it is who owns the publishing rights to like some of those songs and went, why the hell am I getting a couple thousand dollars? <laughs> so I haven't seen these checks in a while. We can't do op- any further or else we have to pay royalties. After Come that on. opening yeah. sequence, I was like, oh, this movie's going to be good. <laughs> um, as for the movie, how did everybody feel about it? Uh, go go around with uh, start with Jen. I loved it. I thought it was great. Now, obviously, my favorite character was Baby Groot, um, and who, especially because he's just, he's a toddler for the whole movie, and he's, <laughs> Drax put it perfectly, he's smaller, stupider Groot. It's fantastic, and he's adorable and cuddly, but I really liked the plot. I really enjoyed how they portrayed Ego, because, I mean, I've, I've got no background in Guardians other than these movies, so... Well, that's when... okay. Ego was never had anything to do with the Guardians before this movie, either. Oh, really? Well, Brent, very, very Brent told me who Ego was, and I was like, he's a planet? <laughs> so I was like, how on earth Followed are they going to... Followed up by gonna... then they cast him by Kurt Russell, and I'm like, I don't know what that's me. I don't know how they're <laughs> yeah. going to do this, but I want to see it. Yeah. So I, I was really confused about how they were going to, like, have a planet be a character, and it was odd. But I really loved the interactions between uh, Drax and uh, Mantis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the so way they cute. evolved his character in this movie. Yeah, I, I think that um, I really liked, I didn't realize that Nebula was going to be in it at all. I don't know how I missed that completely, but she. I loved her, the evolution of her relationship mm-hmm. with Gamora. I just thought it was fantastic I didn't all expect this movie to be so emotional. Yeah, it was very I, I emotional. Was, I was in tears at some point. Yeah. And not because, but, <laughs> not my usual, I made a Marvel movie, oh my god, this is so cool, tears, just real, like, this is... Pull out the heartstrings. Yeah, but yeah. even with all the emotion in it, it was still, it had lighthearted moments, and it was it still had the same kind of humor from the first movie, mm-hmm. so it was still, it was very enjoyable and amusing, and I, I really liked it. Ryan? 
Uh, I agree. I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I find the Guardians ones are fun. They're easy to... to I find they're easy to rewatch. Yeah, Like, definitely. I enjoyed Civil War. I haven't really rewatched it a lot. Mm. But I will rewatch Guardians. I, well, I have on the first one. It's like, yo, it's on TV. Huh. I'll sit here and watch this for a while. And they say, you know, you've watched the whole thing with commercials, even though you've got the Blu-ray on your shelf that you can easily put in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or turn on Netflix and it's right there. Yeah. Yes. But it's on yeah, TV, that's so true. you it's, watch it. It's very rewatchable. Oh, yeah. And, and Civil War, I'd probably just watch the parts of Ant-Man and Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like you said, the... Hey! Sorry, cat's on something. <laughs> cat's yeah. getting into the chicken. No. The perils of... The perils of kittens. Anyways, you were saying, right? Anyways, yeah, the, uh, the, the evolution of Drax, where he became much more of a comedic character in this movie than just your typical hulking i'm gonna i want to kill people i'm gonna but yet still had some like good oh but dramatic moments oh Oh, oh, for sure yeah it's the okay spoiler part now the scene when mantis comes to him to try to tell him about what's going on and she wakes him up yeah and she's like oh i told i told you i'm not interested and he starts gagging yeah. and she's like well, what's what, what's what? i pictured us together and it's just like, oh that <laughs> i i i burst out laughing i just that was that was funny that's funny as hell um one thing i thought was really cool uh it was after we uh, had already been to the planet mm-hmm. um might be uh well there's a shot of the planet again it's one of the later shots where you actually see the the planet with the face, mm-hmm. the way they show it in the yeah, comics, it, and it, it looks, looks just the same, depicted more or less the same way you see it in the comics. But but Kurt, but more but Kurt Russell, kind of but Kurt Russell, like Kurt Russell like if, yeah. If Kurt Russell was playing a planet, that's <laughs> yeah. what that's what it would look like. And I, I saw that and I just like, oh, but that they actually showed the face on yeah. the planet. Was I thought that was a really cool touch, Kevin. I really liked it too. I. I didn't have super high expectations going in. I didn't know mm-hmm. how they could follow up the first one. Um, I thought it would have more to do with sort of the ongoing Marvel movie plot thread of Thanos and all that. And I was which uh, which surprised everybody when James Gunn came out. Like when he was writing the script and went, "No, nah, it's going to have virtually nothing to do with the yeah. Infinity Gauntlet." Which I actually thought was pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I guess what doesn't it, is it. Four years or seven years between this one and Infinity War, they pretty much they've already come out and said that that this movie takes place like in the past of oh, the of the uh, Marvel. Like it was I only yeah, it was only like months. Like well, not a lot of time has passed between the first Guardians movie and this one. It takes yeah. pla- place in like twenty fourteen or something like that because the opening thing was nineteen eighty. And yeah, then and then they it, oh, said, and then it gives the eight years later or whatever. Well, like the no. thirty something. It was like thirty four years later, or, or it 36, starts starts whatever. in 1984, and then it says thirty years later. Yeah, yeah. well, which yeah, which would it's bring only it a couple to, months after the first movie came out. That would have been yeah, a couple which years would bring ago, it to 2014. So, yeah, yeah. Oh. and then it also way to keep continuity though. I yeah, hadn't thought of that. <laughs> but now there's there was a whole bunch of people that got upset on the internet because he made a continuity error. Oh, whatever. Because. When Stanley has his cameo, mm. he's talking and says, "Oh, and then I was a, a, a delivery guy, and I, and then everything happens." Well, that technically hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but whatever. He's talking to a watcher. Well, exactly. Mm. That's so the, that's te- the out. Oh, spoiler. And, tec- <laughs> and technically, 
that means he's kind of that that, that urban he myth is of, a watcher. That he's the watcher. Well, he's not exactly the watcher, but he's given the watcher all their shit. He works he's, for the watcher. he's the one that watches the watchers. No. Yeah. <laughs> We've so, answered the question: yeah. who, who watches the watchers? Stanley. So, according to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Wikia wiki page, um, the if you're gonna watch, if you're gonna watch I know. all of the Marvel movies in the right order. You should watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two right after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. Yeah. Any other highlights, Kevin? Um, I want to talk about Mantis for a minute. She didn't bear much resemblance to the comic book character at all. Not at all. Nothing. And I wasn't really sure why she was there, except to give Drax somebody to talk to because they paired off everybody, right? Yeah. We had Rocket and Yondu. We had Gamora and Peter, mm. and then we had Drax and Mantis. And Gamora and Nebula. And Peter and his dad. And Mantis was the, the oh, device dad. To, to deliver the, the plot. Like, and Groot just why? wandering around being adorable. Yeah. At one point I thought, why does Ego have Mantis around? That, see, that's the thing. They never mention it in the movie. But I think it's on action figure packaging or something. <laughs> is she's supposed to be Peter's half-sister. She's one of the Ego experiments that kind of worked out, oh. but not oh. completely. That's not what they said in the movie. Yeah, they, yeah, just they never said, mentioned they never well, they said she, what she was. No, she's in the there movie, to help him sleep. But in the movie, they said, uh, she said that... He found she, her. He found her when she was very, very young. Uh, like a and child a or, or, or an egg or something. Which alone. doesn't outrule... No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It, it definitely doesn't. Um, and that he she uses her powers to help him sleep. So that was her role in the movie was basically to explain where all of Ego's children were yeah. going, and to at the very end of the movie, been. spoilers, to help them defeat him. So she'll be around in volume three. I assume so. It really seems like that's a cast that really likes one another, and Marvel seems to have done a good job of doing that on all their mm -hmm. movies. But it like it seems like that's there. James Gunn very much wants to keep that family together for the next film. When which is he family says, being the big theme of that movie? Yeah, right. yeah. and he says that's kind of oh, going to be his last in, in the series. I think the I think the character that got sidelined the most that I would have liked to have seen more of was Gamora. Yeah, she she got her moment in the the sun with Nebula, with Nebula towards the end, but you're right. There's that she isn't really in. The she movie was huge. She was yeah. Like she didn't have her own plot line, right? Yeah. She didn't know that Nebula. Why Nebula hated her so much? Like she was sort of more part of Nebula's story and sort of Peter's sidekick than. Well. Than her semi love interest. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that part with Nebula though it, it was one of my favorite parts in the movie. Oh, yeah. like I, yeah. I, the, the Karen Gillan just she yeah. delivered that like just bang. <laughs> it's and it, it was weird. I, I think it was Geek Card's review of it. Uh, of my friends at Geek Card mentioned, and I hadn't thought of it this way. Is what I like about the sequel is it's a different type of movie yeah. when you really examine it. The first one was all about the story. The second one is all character driven. Oh, totally yeah, they yeah. didn't try and to just recreate the first one no. with, with the same I, jokes. Which I think which a is lot of sequels why do. the sequel works. Yep. Is like they didn't give us the same thing over again. Yeah. And there's so for me there were so many layers to it too. Like you had like on a whole it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. 
as a Marvel nerd, there is just so much shit Oh my god, so that. many Easter eggs. Well, between just the the developing all the different characters' backstories, like we learn, you know, through jokes and through different things more about Drax and his yeah. his way of life and how he was raised and then uh, the relationship between Yondu and, and, uh, Peter. and Peter. Oh, that made me cry. I was so sad. It, and that's one of those things, If the, like, the, the lessons that I think Hollywood should pull from this movie is Michael Rooker can turn it on when he needs to. Oh, he's he's so not good. just some crunchy character actor like he usually gets cast in. He's, he's so good in this movie. And yep. he does such a fantastic job. And the other thing is Dave Bautista... Uh, like has some really good comedic chops in there. Oh yeah, no, really good. Ooh. The Can other, th- the other thing is, I want um, Sean Gunn's character. What was his name? The re- oh, Craglin. Uh, Craglin. I want him to become a guardian too. But kind of like I was really. First of all, I was really glad that he was in this movie a lot more than the first one. I'm glad that he actually had a little bit of character development too. But I kind of want him to just be like a. A, become a guardian just because he's kind of just like hanging around. They're like, yeah. so why are you still here? And then he's like, oh, I did this. And they're like, oh, okay, thanks. And then they forget about him for a while. <laughs> and he's just on the ship hanging around doing stuff. That'd well, be at fine. this point, yeah. he doesn't really have anywhere else to yeah. be. He makes a good character for explaining little plot holes. Like, who's piloting the ship? Well, Craglin's piloting the ship. You yeah. know, stuff yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Like or, or who's looking after the base? Who's ordering ammo? All that stuff. That's Craglin's job. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get into a major spoiler here for okay, a minute. Okay, go ahead. Um, Yondu. <laughs> Yondu's death yep. is the first real permanent um, character-affecting death in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep. Yeah, I guess it yeah. is. I'm just cycling through the, the, the Rolodex in my head, but yeah, I mean, very much so. So, well, Peggy, you know, Peggy, Peggy's Peggy dead. Carter, but yeah. yeah but she, but she wasn't she really she a major character. Older, you know. yeah. Yeah. So, so he's the first... You can't, even, you can't say he's a major character, but he's the first c- character from the comics who sacrificed himself permanently. Uh, that with we, an on-screen with death. With an on-screen death. That so that's a big deal. I read an interview with James Gunn the other day where he was talking about like that part of the movie and how it kind of weirdly affected like he wasn't going to do part three in some ways because he hasn't made a film without Michael Rooker in it. Oh, and Michael Rooker is his John Ratzenberger, it's like he's his lucky charm, even if it's a small part. Well, that's what I kind of think might happen. Mm But with like maybe with there's that, a message on the Zoom. But to, <laughs> that part was awesome yeah. too. To uh, James Gunn's credit, he toyed with the idea of okay, he maybe. gets out at the last minute, some sort of resurrection. Okay, like he he girl. went through apparently three or four ideas, and he went and he basically came to the conclusion that no, all that's basically a cop out. It's like. This has to serve the story, whether it's an independent movie that costs two hundred bucks or two hundred million, like this movie. Story's got to come first, or it'll just be a piece of shit. So he went and killed the guy off, and he he thought about not doing the third one because Rooker won't be in it. But, yeah. but I guess he changed his mind, and he'll just throw him in a cameo or something. It was a really good plot point. Like it, 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 he was right. I mean, it needed to happen because. Peter's spending all of this time looking for his family, looking for his father, not realizing that his father is there the whole time, right? Yeah. 
and that's the whole sad not his father, his daddy, his daddy. Well, and, and that's why that's the whole like the, that's the the tragic flaw, right? The, yeah. the character needs to have that tragic flaw, and. I just think that it got me right in the feels. Well, and then if I'm you think you can marry Poppins, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. But even as a character and the, the arc that that character has taken from the first movie to where we end up in this movie, yeah. to ha- you know, and especially just in this movie alone, where he, you know he starts off hunting them down for the golden people. Only to be like, well, yeah, we're not going to give them to them. We're just going to, you know. And then as people turn on him, now I'm just going to spoil the whole movie. Yeah, well, might as well now. <laughs> and then he ends up, you know, then he turns his back on the people that turned their back on him and becomes a guardian of the galaxy and then dies saving everybody else. Mm-hmm. And not, there. it also explains like little plot points from the first one, like why he kidnapped Peter in the first mm-hmm. place. Yep. Why he didn't and turn him over. over. And, you know, because he found out what was going on and or figured out what was going on. Yeah, why he kept him um, for all those years. So the 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 inclusion, like, as a nerd, like, comic nerd that I am, I, I love the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Jim Valentino run. Yeah. And the fact that they worked in the rest of the original Most Guardians. There was one that I think wasn't in there. Who? Nikki. From Mercury. Well, she's not here. okay. So they worked in the original, original ones. But Nick, you're right. Nikki wasn't, but she was added on for the Valentino run. She wasn't around I before that. I thought she that. was an original. Oh. I thought it was Nikki Martin X. Yeah, Vance Astro. He was, and they also worked in the the Sorcerer Supreme of Guardians of the Galaxy too. The Snake Alien guy. Oh yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. that's the Sorcerer Supreme. Now these are all the Guardians. characters that were other reavers. Reavers, the reavers, yeah. yeah. That Stallone's we all see. Yes. Yeah. Okay. For those there who don't Charlie know who they're talking about, that was Ving Rhames. He's from Jupiter and he's super strong. And there's Martin X. He's from Pluto. Who is uh, Michael Rosenbaum? Oh, okay. Lex Luthor from Smallville. Yeah. And there was Miley Cyrus. That was Cyrus. the shiny one, right? Miley Cyrus was mainframe, but that or that was character name only. Yeah. Because mainframe in the comics was uh, up planet-sized computer that Vision evolved into. Okay. Yeah. Keeper of Captain America's shield. And then Stallone and Michelle Yeoh are the same character. Yes. Technically, yeah. They're the male and female versions of of Starhawk. But even like, I liked how, much like Yondu for Starhawk, well, Stakar, they worked in his the Starhawk costume, like elements of that yeah. crazy superhero costume, into this space pirate outfit. Those gold when he first showed band up and thorn things or whatever you want to call those spikes them. that sort of came out of his yeah shoulders. that that kind of go over and like it's like a tribute to that character design, which was really nice. When I for, when he first showed up in the movie too, I kept going, I know who this is. I know who this is. Why don't why isn't it coming to me? I couldn't think of it until I saw the credits or until I saw the, the scene where everybody was together. I'm like, yeah. oh Starhawk. You know what's the worst part about that though? I didn't. That was totally wasted yeah, on me. It, it, I was like, hey, who are all those but guys? It yeah. didn't matter to you. No, like, no. It, it doesn't matter to no, the no. plotter story. It's something thrown in for everybody. And who knows? Maybe that's like they're like we might get a spin-off film of that or something at some point. Oh no, the best outtake scene was Teenage Groot. <laughs> oh my god, it was so funny. And <laughs> now after Peter, credit scenes. Oh sorry. Yeah. And now Peter's the dad. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's full circle. Right? And I love that Peter can understand him now. He's just like, I am Groot. And he's like, I don't care. Or whatever he says. The, uh, with the Starhawk part, that was spoiled 
for me on the score. Oh, is that the, the one that you've seen? There is a track okay. that is called Starhawk, and it's oh. the the moment he comes in. Oh. And like, like, if you don't know anything, that wouldn't well, spoil see, anything. You'd warned me you. about that, so yeah. I avoided the score. If I, I had seen that, I'd been like, probably, I have no idea who's, who that but is. But I didn't want you to. No, exactly. Just in case yeah. you did. Um, overall, great movie. Oh, I so great. It. Yep. You know I want what, to watch though? it again. I've got a piece of theme park news from that movie. That Oh, do you? Because I've got some theme park stuff around this movie, So, too. you know how there's the, the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, right? At Disneyland, yeah, Disneyland. at California Adventure. You notice how in the credits, how there was the dancing heads? Yeah. And Jeff Goldblum is one of the heads in it. The collector. Because no, he's not the collector. He is the game master. The game master. Game master. The collector. The reason yeah. why was because I saw that and I'm like, oh, so we're getting a Thor post credit. Yeah, yeah, scene, that's right. Yeah. You don't get. I'm like, so why is he in there? The reason is, is James Gunn, I guess, had something to do with the, the filming of the stuff for the because ride? The, because those actors are in the ride and Jeff Goldblum. That was extra footage they had of him dancing around, so they decided to use that outtake from the ride. In the movie credits. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's... Uh, because in the ride, they're escaping from the collector. Yeah. Uh, but he's the collector's brother, so... Yeah. Or, well, he is in the comics. I yeah. assume he is in the movie, but... So, I, I've got a picture to show you guys. I know this isn't going to be great, but there... Uh, Jen will be interested in that. So, at Disney World, uh, where normally they're not allowed to, to put Marvel stuff into oh. their theme parks, because Universal holds most of the rights... Um, Universal never got the rights to Groot, did they? No. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy was not covered in the original contract. Because nobody ever thought nobody anything thought would there ever would be, be a done major blockbuster it. Guardians of the Galaxy. Let me see. Baby Groot. So uh, I have some friends, uh, and she posted her Facebook on her Facebook today, just today, of the new meet and greet with Star Lord and Baby Groot. Ma. Uh, when I was in that, I was in that very room when I was at Disney World yeah. in February, and that's where I met Moana. Oh, okay, Moana, they've kicked out and replaced with Plus, a guy with... playing Star Lord. That's what there to be is Star -Lord. a full size Groot too, isn't there? I've seen some pictures. Disneyland of that has around. a full size Star Wars, a Star uh, Groot, sorry, um, and a um, and a full size Star Lord, and a full size. <laughs> uh, they they've also had uh, people be Gamora. Uh, uh, that had, makes sense. That's uh, an Cass easy Rose one to Gamora do. Too. I I think at Disneyland this summer they're calling it the Summer of Heroes because the Guardians ride is opening yeah. the same day that Avatar opens on May 27th and uh I think they're doing a Guardians of the Galaxy dance party every night. Oh nice. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> good, good musical theme. Yeah. Dance so, off to save the galaxy. So, and what oh. when you go to a Disney dance party, there are always characters there and I'm pretty sure at the Guardians of the Galaxy dance party you will be able to Interact with Star Lord, Gamora, and full size Groot. So uh, once again, to the people at the Just, Disney parks, we would be more than happy to do be shipped out to do shows at your theme park. Hashtag True North Nerds Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I figure if I keep throwing these hashtags yeah. out, maybe, maybe one didn't. of them might go into the ether, maybe. and we get that email of like, we don't know who you guys are, but. 200 people are tweeting with this. I, I, will talk about Disney, I will talk about Disney every episode if you'd like me to. <laughs> or Universal. I would yeah. like to know if we have 200 people listening. <laughs> or yeah. Six Flags. They're opening a Justice League ride. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So that brings us to the end of the show. And as per tradition, your nerdy picks of the week. Let's start with Kevin, because you said you had something. I do have something that's really cool that I just discovered thanks to a blog post uh, on some 
blog. Um, Thanks to a blog post on some blog. Spotify. So everybody knows Spotify, the music streaming service. I use it quite a bit. Uh, so Big Finish Audio is a company out of England that oh, for the last 18 years has been going. making like has been making Doctor Who audio plays. Yes. They've released one a month since 1999. There are hundreds of them on Spotify now. Ooh. Oh, nice. Is it just the Doctor Who stuff or is it their other stuff too? Um, it's mostly Doctor Who stuff because uh, I look to see if any of the Torchwood... like. Because they did, they did a, they did some Blake Seven. They done, also did a couple two thousand AD ones. So they did um, the uh, the author of the playlists is Doctor Who. So I oh, think okay. it's so just it's, their Doctor yeah. Who stuff. But they do have. I've been trying to listen chronologically because that's the kind of nerd I am. Mm. Uh, so I've been listening to the very first one was from the summer of ninety nine, and it's a. Three Doctors story, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Oh, cool. Um, it get uh, in later years, the fiftieth anniversary year, they did a twelve-part story where each Doctor got um, a storyline. Uh, so there's tons, there's hundreds of hours of Doctor Who audio plays, and these aren't these aren't like um, audio books where somebody's reading the novel. Yeah, these are these an actual are full radio play. cast radio plays. Oh, and with nice. full sound effects and. Uh, the original actors, when possible. Yeah, uh, in the original, like uh, in the in the oldest one. <clears throat> excuse me, the oldest episodes that are online right now. Um, uh, it's Peter Davidson. It's Colin Baker. It's Sylvester McCoy. Uh, and then so that in the first one, it's just the three doctors. None of their companions are involved. Mm. Uh, since then, I've listened to a Tom a Peter Davidson one where. Turlo was his companion, and it's the original actor who played Turlo. There was a Sixth Doctor story with Perry as the companion, and uh, Nicola Bryant, the actress who played her, is is in it. And the last one I just listened to today, uh, Nissa is the Fifth Doctor's companion, and it's Sarah Sutton, this, the original actress. So when they can, they get the original actresses, yep. actors. They're fantastic. They're really cool. They they are all done in four parts. Just like an original Doctor Who um, serial serial from the eighties would have been, and it's and sometimes you listen and because Spotify doesn't have the credits, I had to look up some of these things. Mm. But you go, I know that actor. Like the, one of the first ones, uh, it was David Williams from Little Britain, and I'm like, I know, I know this voice. And I well, that's what I was gonna was... say. I don't can't remember. It might be the Dread one that they put together. Simon Pegg does a voice in it, or uh, it, it's. Dread or one of the other 2000 AD, one of their other running ones they did an, an audio play for and it's I always wanted to listen to it but mm-hmm. I didn't want to pay the, the pound conversion in order right. to get to it so maybe, hopefully if the Doctor Who ones get a lot of streams, maybe the other ones will get yeah. added. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying them and uh, I highly recommend them. So it's the Big Finish, Big Finish Doctor Who audio line. There's at least 45 of the monthly episodes. Jeez. But that's not a lot when you consider the monthly range started in this in 1999, so that's 18 years ago, yeah. and they haven't missed a month since. They do 13 episodes a year. For some reason, they always do two in September, according to Wikipedia. Uh, so we're looking at and several they, hundred I, months. And of I don't know if they've episodes. done them, but they're doing them where they continued the adventures of the Fox Doctor. Yes. And there's a whole like Ace that. Doctor line that's not part of the monthly range. Most of that is on Spotify. Yeah. The 50th anniversary um, Destiny of the Doctor series is on Spotify. 
there's a unit story that's on Spotify. There's um, when they want to do stuff with the older doctors who've already passed, they do what they call the companion chronicles, and they'll get an original actor who played one of the doctor's companions to be sort of narrate the story. So they're doing all they can, and uh, it's amazing that this stuff just showed up on uh, this streaming service, which I get for free from my um, service provider. For, nice. Yeah, and for listening to I a 30-second commercial here yeah, and there. I think I saw a thing today on one of the sites that there's going to be new episodes with David Tennant and Billy Piper. Yep. Yeah, it's that's a continuing thing. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not over yeah. with. They've just put in. So they were just like announced that the two of them are coming back to do some. There's one guy who, of course, has created a giant playlist of every everything. episode, and there's uh, like over a thousand um, episodes. But each so in each storyline, if you download the album on Spotify. Uh, they, the, for the first four that I've listened to so far, they've all been broken into four parts and each part has been broken into five tracks. So you get 20 tracks in an album. Cool. Yeah. So, um, big finish on Spotify. Ryan. Uh, yeah, I've kind of forgot to make a pick. So I've been trying to think about what, what have I been watching or what have I been reading this weekend? And I know I've mentioned it before, but you know, Riverdale finished this past week mm-hmm. would have been probably two weeks ago but you know i you should get out there give it a watch um i was listening. has riverdale been renewed do we know that yet uh, i think I it think has it has because there's talk that i guess there's been lots of whispers about maybe introducing sabrina <laughs> bringing her and then there's a the whole movement of people that want uh melissa joan hart to be one of her aunts oh um, yeah, that'd be that'd be a good but it, and it wouldn't be the first time they've done a like a, a casting like that because you know yeah. it's like Luke Perry right is yeah, and Molly the, Ringwald and Molly Ringwald yeah. is father and mother for for Archie well and just look at like Supergirl's cast well yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> this is another Berlanti show I believe so yeah so uh, there's that and then I've been watching uh, American Gods. I'm waiting until this season finishes, and then I'm going to just binge the whole thing. Yeah, that's one we're going to have to binge, because yeah. I'm not going to want to wait between episodes. Eh, well, I'm watching, because I don't want to wait. I don't blame you. That's just how we're going to watch it. I watched the first episode, and I was kind of like, if I hadn't read the book, I don't think I'd know what was going on here. and be like, mm-hmm. I'd be thinking, wow, this is really weird. Um, it's been a couple episodes in. It's good. It's kind of along the lines of the book. They haven't changed a lot. Um, I, I, yeah, what I've heard weirdly watch. is some of the stuff that they changed has made it better. Oh, well, there's yeah, yeah, like or certain scenes and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Jen. Wait, wait. Let me guess. Oh. Does it have something to do with? You're gonna spoil it. Nuts. <laughs> so we met, or I met. Uh, Ryan North, author of Squirrel Girl at TCAF. Yes, you did. Um, and uh, got... if you happen to remember our our name, Ryan North, and you are listening to this yes. episode, uh, you you were cool. Yes, <laughs> he I even think... gave you a card saying you met Ryan North and he thought you were nice or yes. something like that. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was very excited to get my copy of Squirrel Girl signed. So as always, I mentioned to him when I met him at TCAF, but as always, I recommend Squirrel Girl to everybody. Uh, it's the awesomest comic out there. But another super awesome comic that I read, I read as a web comic uh, called Shattered Starlight. And it's by Nicole Chaltrand. And I believe she's out of, or out of Montreal, so out of Quebec. So you can find this one for free. Um, at 
shatteredstarlight.com. Um, and she is, this is a comic about a magical girl who's grown up. So basically at the age of 14, she signed a contract, well, she was contracted or asked to become a magical girl. And, you know, like other magical girls, she's fighting cosmic evils, keeping the world safe. She gets the power of friendship, the power of love. Uh, and as it says in here, the power of running late for your math exam with half-eaten toast hanging out of the side of your mouth. <laughs> but then something tragic happens, which they allude to in the beginning, but don't mention it, and everything falls apart. So now she's, uh, fast forward, she's 28 years old. She's still a magical girl. She still has her powers. And the uh, the guardian, who they just call Boss, who is the one who's in charge of all the magical girls, is basically like, you got to get your act together. And uh, sends her to work at a cafe run by other magical girls or older magical girls to try to um, help her move past this tragic part of her youth. And um, it's not finished yet. I've been reading it online. Um, and it's it's excellent. Beautiful artwork. Really well done. Very detailed. Uh, I, so I strongly recommend that anybody read that. She also has another webcomic out that she's actually selling as books called Faye Wins. So I bought the first volume of that and I hadn't read it before and it's excellent too. So I recommend everything by her again, Nicole Chaltrand and it's Shattered Starlight. Cool. Cool. I was looking through the pages when you were uh, talking there and uh, I like the artwork. The artwork looks awesome. I'll probably borrow that. The, the, the cool thing about it, like the trade is not only does it look good, like the presentation of it is well done. Mm -hmm. The trade that Jen bought Looks like anything like Marvel DC puts out. There will be a picture of the of the floppy Shattered Starlight on our Instagram account, which now has uh, a fair number of pictures on it, and I think like we're almost up to twenty followers. So yay! This has a um, this has a Sailor Moon kind of vibe. Is that what? The yeah. So I was actually at TCAF. I was talking to the author slash artist, and. She said that Shattered Starlight, is it's her take on Magical Girl. So she likes to take a, a well-thought-out um, genre, I suppose, and then twist it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Shattered Starlight is her take on Magical Girl anime type of a twist. The twist is, you know, it's not all rainbows and stars. You know, and the, not everybody lives happily ever yeah, after. Yeah, the ending isn't thing. always happy. And, you know, life happens after you're past your teenage years and you've got magical power so what happens next and, and her other book Fay wins is her spin on fantasy D, D type of uh and a little bit of anime type of uh, genres and tropes and like i said i'm not very far into that yet but it's it's also excellent and she's a she's a fantastic artist cool. her artwork is gorgeous is her magical staff a hockey stick yes it is that's what i thought nice <laughs> I like the minimal use of color. Yeah, so basically the only color in here is, is the main character's hair. Yeah, And a little cool. bit here and there, yeah. A lot of a lot, hair. Yeah, a lot of grayscale and then, yeah, the colored, different colored hair. But it looks like it's... the magical girl. But it works. It's I, I moody. Don't, I don't know a, if printing has gotten cheaper since I, I was, like, younger going to conventions. Uh, Kevin can probably relate to this. Like the stuff you would see in Artist Alley was like Xeroxed. Oh yeah, like it, it, and stapled it, in the it's middle. It's gotten so much better in the last couple of years. 
And like it looks like a like you wouldn't know that any different than any other pro book, really. If oh no, I on the shelf. from the feel of it, it feels like any other uh, any other book that's out there. Yeah, I, I haven't read it yet, but I'm I'm going to. The hockey stick is what sold me. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought I heard her saying that to Jen, and I didn't. You know, I was letting you know, I was staying kind of off behind you as Jen was interacting with her new yeah. new best friend and uh, nerding out. Yeah. And uh, and I heard that I was like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. And then seeing it, I was like, it looks cool too. So I got two geek picks this week. Oh, what are they? Um, one, I I will cop to it right now. I'm sort of doing this because a friend of mine is involved, but it's also good, so I don't feel bad about it. Uh, Rocket Number One from Marvel Comics, the new Rocket Raccoon series. Written by Al Ewing and drawn by Adam Gorham. I've known Adam for, I want to say, five or six years now. And by the time this episode goes up, an interview that I did with him for Geek Art should be on YouTube, hopefully. And I'll throw the link in, into our thing, too. Um, Adam is one of those guys that I'm lucky enough that I met him when he was doing an independent book. And you could tell he really had some talent. And now it's really nice to see that his talent is really getting the push that it deserves. Mm. Um, he did uh, two issues of Turtles not too long ago. He did a very good miniseries out of Image called The Violent. That is, if you like kind of crime books or like a, that kind of thing, excellent book that's set in Vancouver, of all places. That's interesting. Yeah, and he drew that, and he's just... Been slowly plugging away, and then he got this rock, this job with Rocket, and I knew he was good, but between, I guess he just wanted to give it his all on this one, and it shows. It His art is fantastic on this book. Nope. The guy that they've got coloring his work yeah. is adding to it as well. Oh, like, that's good. Ad, Adam is really good, but the colorist is really helping show off how good he is. And the story's fun. It's Rocket is doing a heist, basically. He's pulled into the world of crime that he was kind of involved in before he joined the Guardians, and stuff happens. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, I don't know if I'll get it in singles. I'll definitely get the first trade. Yeah. Now, he did Ninja Turtle stuff as well, didn't he? he? Did, yeah, he did two issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Universe, which okay. uh, I happen to own a page of. That's how much I like Adam's work. I I put down money for a page featuring Donatello and Metalhead. It's, did uh, you do you have that page yet? I don't think yes, I've seen I that one. Oh, I'll, I'll show you it when we're done the, yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, and it, the funny part is, is... He had uh, Adam had already gotten the rocket gig, but there was some space between his last pro gig and this. And the turtles gig came up, and he decided to take it as practice on drawing animals. Nice, like he, he loves turtles. He's done turtle. He did a print, I think, uh, a while ago, and he's done uh, Ottawa Comic Con. He did an alternate cover for like a variant cover for their sales and stuff like that. Okay. So he, he's not unfamiliar, but this was the first time he had drawn a full book and he figured it was good practice drawing animal people. Cause there's, <laughs> yeah, a, there's a lot of, of them in there. There's a lot of them in the first rocket. So, um, that's my first pick. And my second pick is, uh, I am just starting to delve into it. I got the criterion Blu-ray collection of lone wolf and cub, the, uh, the samurai, Gorefest, for lack of a better term, samurai movies that are 
like based on the the old Japanese manga okay. of hmm. a uh, the former executioner of the shogun uh, wandering the countryside as a ronin with his baby son because his wife is dead and getting into adventures and murdering a whole lot of bad guys. Oh. Um, Criterion is great for cleaning stuff up and they've done a wonderful job for, for it here. But they've also included a ton of bonus crap. Like, um, one of the movies got adapted in the 80s into Shogun Assassin. So with, like, some crappy dubbing and a lot of re-edits and stuff like that, they not only provide the original version of that film, the original Lone Wolf and Cub version, they also provide the Shogun Assassin one and have gone through and cleaned that up. Oh, wow. Because that's how I first found out about Lone Wolf and Cub was the Shogun Assassin movie. I think it was on, like, CHCH or something in the <laughs> afternoon, and I caught it. And I'm like, what is this? He is murdering everybody. <laughs> the baby card even has swords on it. As it should. So, Baby's uh, got to uh, defend itself. So far, very, very happy with the purchase, and I've only, like, scratched the surface of it. So, And that brings us to the end of yet another episode. Kevin! <sighs> Where can they find us on the interwebs? On the Facebook at True North Nerds. It's a secret group. Just give us a message and we'll let you right in. Please, please leave us a note there. Let us know you're listening. Or on Twitter at True North Nerds. Send us a message at True North Nerds just to let us know you're listening. Or uh, like one of our photos on Instagram. We're at True North Nerds there. Again, let us know you're listening. Uh, We would like to hear that. Is anybody Uh, out there? Hashtag True North Nerds. There you go. There we go. Uh, and if you want to send an email, we are twonorthnerds at gmail.com. And on iTunes, if you download us or stream us that way, please feel free to rate, review. Um, if we get any more uh, reviews starting next week, I'm going to start uh, giving shout outs at the end of the episode to people. Ooh. Well, there, we have a review on there. Oh, Shane. Yes. Liked and reviewed our. our... Oh, our first review. Thank you, Shane. Um, I think there's another one, too, but I'll save that for next week. I will go back and do that. Another one that's not one of us. (laughs) Ask us questions. If you have questions you want us to address in an upcoming episode, ask us. Or a movie. Yeah, something you want us to talk about. TV shows you want reviewed. We are. Or anything you want to see more of. uh, Have you you done something creative you want to be one of our geek picks? Let us know, and yeah. we will look at it. Friend, you, contact us via email. Send us free shit. <laughs> we are more than happy to take free shit, but not actual shit. Please well, don't no. send us If you've shit. got something geeky you want to promote, you know, we'll give you a shout out. If yeah. it's good enough, we might even have you come in and talk to us. Yeah, that's Maybe. Good. Maybe. Anyways, for Jen, Ryan, and Kevin, this has been Brent. Come back in two weeks for another episode of True North Nerds. Bye-bye. See ya. Set your phasers to sexy. You've been listening to the True North Nerds, recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds. On Facebook, under, surprise, True North Nerds. And you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your